Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we celebrate the centennial of the one and only... Jack Webb. In honor of his 100th birthday, we've chosen an episode of Dragnet recommended by our mysterious listener, Tim. Tim writes, just doubled my monthly Patreon contribution thanks to your endlessly entertaining podcast. Love you guys. Now for your consideration, creeps. Dragnet number 316, the big ruling from September 6, 1955. In 1948, actor Jack Webb appeared in He Walked by Night, a film noir police procedural directed by Alfred L. Worker. While on set, Webb struck up a friendship with the film's technical advisor, police detective Marty Wynn. Webb was fascinated by Wynn's tales of authentic police cases and believed the public would find these stories compelling, too. By the late 40s, the airwaves were filled with tough cops and private dicks, but none of them presented policing in the realistic way Wynn described it to Webb. In 1949, Webb proposed the idea of a radio show based on actual police cases to NBC executives who were lukewarm to the idea. However, they were impressed by Webb's performance in the short-lived detective series Pat Novak for Hire and decided to take a chance on the young actor's enthusiastic pitch. Dragnet premiered June 8, 1949. Jack Webb played the laconic Los Angeles police sergeant Joe Friday. Webb narrated each episode with a clipped, matter-of-fact tone, emphasizing facts over dramatic flourishes. The program's distinctive four-note opening, the announcer's preamble stating, The story you're about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. And Webb's understated performance style made Dragnet unlike anything else on radio. After a few rock episodes, Dragnet found its rhythm and quickly became the benchmark by which all other police shows were judged. Over the course of the program, Friday had many police partners, including Ben Romero, played by Barton Yarborough, Bill Lockwood, played by Martin Milner, and Ken Peters, Ed Jacobs, played by Barney Phillips, and Friday's longest-serving partner, Frank Smith, played by Ben Alexander, Harry Bartell, Herb Ellis, and Vic Perrin. Now let's listen to The Big Ruling from Dragnet, first broadcast September 6th, 1955. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Chesterfield brings you Dragnet. Put a smile in your smoking. By Chesterfield. Smoother. Cooler. Best for you. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a narcotics detail. You get a report that a supply of heroin has reached your city. You don't know who's got it or where it is. Your job, find out. 
Walking with a smile with Chesterfield. Smoother, cooler, milder Chesterfield. Put a smile in your smoking, just give them a try. Chesterfield's best for you. They satisfy. If you want tomorrow's better cigarette today, next time you buy cigarettes, stop. Remember, only Chesterfield is made the modern way with Accuray. You'll notice how fresh and good Chesterfield's made with Accuray taste, how smooth they are, and how they satisfy. So buy Chesterfield today. Best for you. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, May 23rd. It was cool in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out on narcotics detail. My partner's Frank Smith. The boss is Captain Waller. My name's Friday. We're on our way back from questioning an informant, and it was 10.46 p.m. when we got to the first street station. Narcotics squad room. You think Bronco's holding out on us? I don't know. Well, if we don't turn something pretty soon, the stuff will be all over town. Yeah. Mm, how about a cup of coffee, Joe? Huh? Coffee. You want a cup? Sure, if you got some. Yeah, I brought a thermos from home. Oh. Made them myself, the way I like it. You know, strong. Mm-hmm. I got some cups. Wait a minute. You don't need them, Joe. What? Don't need them. I got cups right here on the top of the thermos, four of them. It's some gadget, huh? Look at that. Kids gave it to me for Christmas. Of course, Faye probably picked it out. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at her steam. Really keeps the heat in. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Drink up. Thanks. What's the matter? Something the matter? <clears throat> no, no. No, you were right. That's all. What do you mean? About it being strong. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want coffee. I want boil water, buddy. Mm-hmm. This stuff's got some taste to it. It sure has. Well, aren't you going to finish yours? Well, I'm not thirsty right now. Oh. Hey, you know, Joe, I just realized something. Hmm? All these years I've been working with you, it never dawned on me before. What's that? You don't like coffee. Oh, yes, I do. No, you don't, Joe. Not the real genuine articles, stuff they serve in restaurants, drugstores, or... Heck, that's not coffee. It's not, huh? No, this is coffee. Yeah. A little bite to it, a little zing... Yeah. You don't like it? Well. <laughs> all these years I've been working with a partner who doesn't appreciate good coffee. Well, I guess you learn something all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't get finish it. it if you don't want. Narcotics Friday. Who? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Candy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Are you still at the same place? Sure, I know where it is. What's that room number? Okay. Goodbye. It's Candy Delman. Yeah? You heard we were talking to Bronco tonight. Bronco tell him what it was about? He must have. At least Candy knows we didn't get anywhere. Huh? Says it's our own fault for not going to the right guy. And who's that? Him. Candy Delman was an informant who had served three sentences for violation of the State Narcotics Act. Since his release from prison, he had given police officers several leads to burglary and robbery suspects. Most of his leads had panned out. As far as we knew, Delman was no longer a narcotics user or a pusher himself, but in the past, he had always refused to give any information on the dope racket. Over the phone, he said he was living at the Hattrick Hotel on South Spring Street, room 217. 
Frank and I left the office and drove out to talk to him. It was 11.22 p.m. when we got to the hotel, a dark, two-story building badly in need of repair. We went inside and started up the stairs to the second floor. Get back down here, both of you. Come on, start moving. What's the trouble, lady? Nothing the matter with your eyesight? No, I don't think so. Why don't you use it? Sign right here on the desk. Ring for the manager. Oh. Didn't hear no ring, did I? We didn't see any reason to bother you. It's my worry, ain't it? Sure. Bell's there to be rung. And hearing it ain't what bothers me. It's guys like you sneaking in trying to get a free pad for the night. Take it easy, lady. We don't want to stay here any longer than we have to. Then what do you want? We just dropped by to see Candy. Who? Candy Delman. He lives here, doesn't he? He might. Well? He a friend of yours? He's expecting us. How do I know? Well, why don't you ask him? Oh, sure. That's all I gotta do. Tramp up and down them stairs from morning till night. Call him to the phone. Give him messages. Dun him for back rent. Well, I ain't making no extra trip on account of you. Well, you suit yourself. I just you wait a minute. I ain't said you could go upstairs. Claim to know Candy. What's his room number? 217. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Well, you be sure you let me know when you leave. And you better be out of here by midnight or I'm collecting a buck from each of you. Friends or no friends, you're not bunking with Candy unless I get paid. In advance! Oh, she's mouthy, isn't it? You know something, John? Hmm? Faye was after me just the other day about getting a new suit. Oh? I guess she was right. Yeah. Must be down this way. Yeah. Maybe you ought to go with me. Buy some clothes yourself. What for? Well, we must need them. If a dame like that figures we'd mooch a room in this joint. Well, I wouldn't help with her. Here we are. Yeah, who is it? Joe. Just a minute. Come on in. Thank you. You know Frank Smith, don't you, Candy? Sure. Hi, Candy. Want a drink? No, thanks. Smith? No, thanks. Don't mind if I take a blast? That's up to you. As long as I'm drinking alone, there's no point in dirtying the glass. I guess maybe I'm turning into a lush, huh? Is that right? Been hitting the bottle pretty hard lately, since I went off the stuff. That so? Yeah. You guys knew I was off it, didn't you? I ain't even chip you no more. Well, you don't have to sell us candy. Well, I ain't selling nobody. I'm just telling you. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see us about? Anybody know you're here? The lady downstairs. You mean the manager is flea bag? Yeah, I guess that's what she is. <laughs> lady, you ask me and flying saucers must be real. Well... How else would a dame like that get here? Hey, she knew you cops. We didn't tell her. You telling anybody else that you were coming to see me? Nope. Come on, Candy, what's it all about, huh? Well, take it easy. Don't push me. Uh, why don't you sit down? We're all right. You was talking to Bronco tonight, huh? Well... I bumped into him right after you shoved off. That's so? Yeah, asking a mule like him about H, boy, he's lucky if he can turn a couple sticks of tea. We're asking everybody. Didn't ask me? Well, you figured it'd be a waste of time. I've helped you guys before. No, not when it came to the stuff you didn't. Maybe this is different. Yeah. I always figured a guy gets hooked, that's his own business. He done it himself. Mm-hmm. That's his getting hurt, too, yours truly. Mm-hmm. I've been hooked three times, I don't know. Yeah, you should. Guy wants to kick it, it's up to him, too. Mm-hmm. You can stick him in a joint, send him to the hospital. Maybe he'll get rid of the habit for a while. But if he wants to kick it for good, he's got to do it. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. It ain't easy, either. Mm-hmm. Guy's own business is what happens. 
whether he goes for a ride or gets off. All right, come on, Candy. What are you getting at here? Horse you're looking for, it ain't just going to guys, boy. You mean kids, too? Yeah. How do you know that? Fella asked me if I wanted to make a buy. I thought I was still shooting caps. What fella? Mm-mm. Come on, we'll stand in front of you, Candy. Well, you take it my way or you don't get it. That means no names. All right, give us the rest of it. Well, like I said, he asked me if I was interested in a buy, and I told him I wasn't. Yeah. He said that was okay with him. He had plenty of other customers. He cut a lot thinner for some of them. A pro like me, I might know the difference. Mm -hmm. Kids just off of the weed, they wouldn't care. He said he was only making me an offer as a favor, you know. Mm -hmm. Did you ever buy from him before? Well, look, Joe, just let me tell it, huh? Go ahead. Well, <clears throat> the way he talked uh, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Even when I was pushing, I never sold a kid. You know that. Mm. I ain't no saying I never pushed no kids. It just didn't seem right. Yeah. So when I bumped into Bronco tonight and he told me that you guys were looking for H, well, I figured maybe I owed you a hand. Go ahead. Make you feel kind of funny. What? I never finked on a guy in a trade before. You know that. Mm. Well, you're out of it now, aren't you? Yeah, for now. You never know, Joe. Three times, you know, I've been down. You never know when it's going to happen again. I ain't making no promises, even to myself. Mm -hmm. That's why I ain't never copped out on anything like this before. Sort of like turning myself in. It's good age, too. It's Eastern. Yeah. It's been cut, but it's not too thin. The way you talk, must have been, oh, six, eight ounces left. The rest of it's been sold. Yeah. He can cut a lot thinner if he wants to. It's dealing with kids. It don't matter, you know. Well, where do we find him, Candy? You ever hear of Walker Drive, Hollywood Hills? We can find it. Well, it's not much of a street. It's just four or five blocks, dead end. Mm -hmm. Cuts off a laurel before you get to Mulholland. Well, go ahead. That's it. Well, which house? I ain't seen nothing about no house. Maybe he lives there, or maybe he's just going up to make a sale. I don't know. You think he's there now? I didn't ask him for no time schedule. Now, go on, beat it, will you? I want to get drunk. Oh, hey, look, there's something about you guys that keeps me sober. If you don't shove off, I'm going to run out of booze. You want to tell us what he looks like, Candy? You've had it, Joe. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You haven't given us very much. Is that so? Well, you know something? It's lucky for you I got principles about pushing the kids. Yeah. You'd have got nothing. We continued to question Delman, but he refused to give us any further information. 11.46 p.m., Frank and I left the Hattrick Hotel and we drove up into the Hollywood Hills. We turned off Laurel Canyon onto Walker Drive. The street was only five blocks long and there were approximately 20 houses on it. 12.22 a.m., we pulled up at the corner of Walker and Laurel where we'd be able to notice anybody who turned into or out of the drive. 1.06 a.m., a man approached a Chevy convertible parked across the street from us. We knew he'd walked down from one of the houses on Walker, but we hadn't been able to determine which one. He passed under a street lamp, and we recognized him as Sam Free, a known narcotics user and suspected peddler. Hold it, Sam. Huh? Right where you are. Hold it up. Oh, sure. Sure. Turn around, Sam. Put your hands against the side of the car. Yeah. He's clean. Oh, you guys know me. I don't carry nothing. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, what you doing in my pockets? I ain't got no gun. You said so yourself. Where the heck did that come from? Why don't you tell us? 
Yeah, it's the stuff jar. This all you got, Sam? Well, is it? Yeah. You're coming up in the world, aren't you? What do you mean? A couple of months ago, all we had you paid for was a user and a small-time pusher. It's a lot of H. Where'd you get it? Well, now, you know better than that. You're in trouble, Sam. Okay, you, you found the stuff for me. That, that means I'm going to do some time. A lot of time. Well, whatever it is, I'd just as soon be in one piece when I come out. Who's the car belong to, Sam? What car? This one right here. Huh? You were getting into it, Sam. Was it? I'll give it a check, Mr. Jane. All right, all right. It's my car, so what? I'll still check it. Who, who fed you? What? To where I was. You're not hard to find, Sam. Yeah? You, you've been looking for me over three weeks now. And so? Only you, you didn't know I was the guy you were after. Thank you. For what? For telling us when the H got into town. A lot of good it'll do. Mm-hmm. Another day I'd have been clean, you wouldn't have found none of it. Well? My own fault trying to get a good price. I should have taken what was offered. It's the real stuff, though. Man don't like to give it away. Mm-hmm. Joe. Got something? Yeah. Take a look in the back seat. Bunch of sweaters. Look like cashmere's. I bought them for my girl. It's her birthday. It must be some girl. Yeah. At least 40 sweaters there, Joe. Yeah. They're all different sizes. Electronic Miracle Accuray means that everything from auto tires to apple pie, battleship steel to baby food, butter to cigarettes, can be made better and safer for you. Now meet Mr. Bert Choke, brilliant young president of industrial nucleonics. Well, Bert, exactly what is Accuray? Well, George, it is a device by which a stream of electrons passes through and analyzes the product while it is actually being made. They transmit what they see to this electronic brain which adjusts the production machinery for errors down to millionths of an inch. Well, can you give us an example of what it does? Sure, take this piece of steel. How thick would you say it is? Oh, about as thick as the cellophane from a pack of Chesterfields. Accuray has made it possible to roll that steel accurately one ten-thousandth of an inch thick. It takes ten of these to equal the thickness of a sheet of cellophane. That's amazing. Now let's get back to the pie and the baby food. Will Accuray bake a pie and tend the baby? Well, not quite yet, George, but because this electronic control can improve shortening texture, for instance, your wife can bake a more delicious pie. And because Accuray can make baby food more uniform, that food will be more digestible for your baby. One more question, one that so many people ask me. How does Accuray make Chesterfield a better cigarette than was ever possible before? Every cigarette made with Accuray control contains a more precise measure of perfectly packed tobaccos. So Chesterfield smokes smoother, without hot spots or a hard draw. And that's why Chesterfield tastes so much better. And I guess that's why you smoke them yourself, Bert. You see, I know what Accuray can do. Well, there's your answer. If you want tomorrow's better cigarette today, next time, stop. Remember. Only Chesterfield is made the modern way with Accuray. Best for you. We 
took the suspect, Sam Free, down to the main jail and we had him booked on possession of narcotics and suspicion of burglary. An examination of the labels in the sweaters indicated that they were all from the same Whiteside Lady Sports Shop in North Hollywood. 1.58 a.m., we contacted the owner of the store, Mr. T.P. Whiteside. Yes, sir, that's right. Mm-hmm. If you would, we'd appreciate it. About 30 minutes? All right, sir, fine. Thank you. Goodbye. Well, he says they're stolen, all right. Well, why didn't he report it? Well, he didn't know anything about it until now. Well? It just must have happened tonight. a.m., Frank and I met Mr. Whiteside at his sportswear shop on Lancashire Boulevard. At the rear of the building, we found a cut screen and a window that had been forced open. We called the crime lab and asked them to check the premises for any physical evidence. Mr. Whiteside made a quick survey of his stock, and as far as he could tell, the only missing item was a supply of cashmere sweaters. Uh, Oh, I just can't get over it. How's that, Mr. Whiteside? You fellas finding out about all this even before I did. No. Well, I've done my share of complaining about policemen. In the past, that is. Yes, sir. Whenever I got a ticket, you know, I, I used to say to myself, ain't he got nothing more important to do than pull me over for going a couple of miles too fast? That's what I said. Yes, sir. I figured that's all you police fellows cared about, you know, giving folks tickets. Never seemed like you was paying no attention to the real crooks around town. Mm-hmm. Guess owe you the apology. It's all right, forget it. No, no, no. Oh, no, I ain't going to forget it. I've been wrong about cops all these years, and you sure showed me tonight. Mm-hmm. Apology, that's what I... Are you going to accept it? Yes, sir. Shake? You bet. <laughs> you too, mister? Huh? You willing to shake with me? Oh, sure, you bet. Here. Say, um, uh, about them sweaters you found. Yes, sir. Like you to keep a couple of them for your wives or girlfriends. No, sir, that's all right. Thanks anyway, Mr. Whiteside. Ah, uh, you're entitled. Wasn't for you, I wouldn't be getting them back. It's our job. Oh, go on. Keep a couple anyway, no, won't sir, you? I'm sorry, Please. we can't do oh, that. Oh, well, I, I would offer the reward if I'd known about the burglary. Yes, sir, we understand. Well, it's your own fault. Nobody else's. You're to blame for it. How's that? No reward. Oh. Huh? Didn't give me time enough. a.m. The crew from the crime lab reported that there was no physical evidence at the store. Frank and I went off duty. The next afternoon, May 24th, at 4.16 p.m., we checked our weapons at the booking counter of the city jail, and we asked to interview the prisoner, Sam Free. The booking sergeant told us he was in cell 104. Yeah? Free in 104. Okay. Free in 104 for interview. Free for any of you. Sit down, Sam. You ready to do some talking? About what? The stuff. Where'd you get it? Now look, we had a check by the lab, Sam. Yeah? It isn't Mexican. It's from back east someplace. No kidding. Okay, I got it from back east. I should have want to loss up your scientific cats by saying different. Is that the way you want it on your report? Huh? Uncooperative? 
Ain't gonna make no difference what you guys put down. It might, Sam. Uh-uh. Oh, look, you, you want a deal, I'll, I'll talk. Otherwise, forget it. We don't make deals, you know that. Huh? It's up to you. Now, look, this isn't your first fall, Sam. It's gonna go hard with you. Maybe. No maybes. Oh, you never know. I, I'm chilling with some of the boys back there. They tell me things have changed around here. Yeah. Case against me might not stand up. You wouldn't want to bet on that, would you, Sam? Hmm. Just telling you what I heard. Don't you count on it. Yeah? Things haven't changed that much. Four thirty-one p.m. Frank and I went over to the Hall of Justice to file a complaint against Free. We talked to Deputy District Attorney Don Avery in the complaint department and gave him a complete statement of facts concerning Free's arrest. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. Everything that happened. Yeah. Why? What's the matter, Don? Hmm? Something wrong with this case? I don't know yet. Well, Free himself said it might not stand up. We figured he was just talking. Yeah. We got the H, the stolen sweaters. What more do you need? Let me ask you a couple of questions. Sure. And give me the same answers you'd give in court if you were under oath. All right. Free was beside this car when you stopped him, is that right? That's right. Did you place him under arrest before you searched him? Well, did you? Well, not in so many words. What do you mean? Well, we knew he was a hype. He knew we were cops. He could have figured that out. But you didn't say you're under arrest in those words. No, I don't think I did. Smith? Well, Don, we didn't have anything to arrest him for, not until after we found the age. Mm -hmm. Did you have any reason to suspect he was carrying dope? Well, like I said, he's a user. Yeah. That he was in the neighborhood, we knew somebody around there was carrying. Well, then you weren't looking for free in particular. Well, no. The way I got it, the burglary hadn't been reported yet, is that right? That's right. So finding the sweaters was a surprise. Yeah, it sure was. Well... File on them. It may not stick. What are you talking about, Don? The evidence. Well, what's wrong with it? The way you got it. What? You heard about the exclusionary ruling, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, Skipper had an assembly on it. Well? Look, Don, we're not lawyers. We're cops. Sure. Well, here's the way it operates. Evidence obtained by illegal search or seizure can be thrown out of court. Simple as that. Yeah? Federal government has the same ruling. Most of the states don't. We never have until now. Before, if a policeman committed an illegal search or seizure, he could be prosecuted. Lots of times he was. Uh -huh. But the evidence could still be used at the suspect's trial. Yeah. Doesn't work that way anymore. No? Well, look, maybe I'm just thick, Don, but it seems to me the only guy who's better off is the criminal. That's how I see it, too. Mm. Well, all right, now look. Suppose we do pick up a guy. Maybe we aren't right, but we think we're on to something. If he's clean, he's not out anything except a little time and trouble. Yeah. And if he isn't, we got some evidence. Not anymore, you haven't. This just don't make sense to me. Well, what are we supposed to do from here on in? You want to make a search, you got to get the guy's permission or put him under arrest first or have a valid search warrant. Otherwise, it's illegal. Your evidence may not hold. Let me have that again. If you want to make a search, you got to get the guy's permission or put him under arrest first or have a valid search warrant. Otherwise, it's illegal. Well, now let's take free, for instance. Yeah. We didn't have anything to arrest him on. As for getting his permission to search, well, I got a big picture of that. Mm -hmm. There was no way of getting a search warrant drawn, Don. We didn't even know what we were looking for. Well, that's the way it's got to be from here on in. Every time? 
There might be some exceptions. I don't know. It's up to the courts to decide. But what if we're after somebody, a guy who's heavy? Yeah. Let's take a killer, maybe, so we want to break in. We supposed to ask him if it's all right if we break in? You can get a warrant. Yeah, well, maybe we don't know who he is. Maybe it's 4 o'clock in the morning. What do you do then? When it comes up, you'll get an answer. Well, let's come up right now. What? We got a dope pusher here. He's been selling H to kids. We got him made, dead to rights. Burglary, too. Now, you say he's going to get off. I didn't say for sure. Well, I don't even like to hear a maybe. Not in a case like this. It's the best I can do, Joe. I didn't hand down the ruling. If you'd arrested him first, that'd be different. Yeah, and if he hadn't been carrying, he could have slapped a suit on us for false arrest. Only thing I can tell you, get a warrant, get permission, or arrest him first. Yeah, well, there's only one thing I'm going to tell you. It's not going to work. Maybe not. Well, just what do we do? Go back to pound beats? Is that it? Look, I said we might not be able to make it hold up in Free's case. If we can't, you'll get him sooner or later. You've got him pegged. Next time, get to him so it'll stick. Well, don't worry about it. We will. Well? Tell me one thing, Don, before we do. Yeah? How much more stuff is this guy going to peddle? The story you've just heard is true. The names were changed to protect the innocent. On May 30th, a preliminary hearing was held in Division 4 Municipal Court in and for the County of Los Angeles. In a moment, the results of that hearing. Now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you, George Fenneman. Chesterfield made the modern way with Accuray. I wonder if you realize what that means to you. For the first time, you get a perfect smoke column in your cigarette. A smoother smoke. A cooler smoke than you've ever had before. To put a smile on your smoking, try them. Chesterfield. In the case of Sam Arthur Free, the court ruled that the evidence against him had been obtained by illegal search and seizure. The charges against the suspect were dismissed. just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Technical advisors, Captain Jack Donahoe, Sergeant Marty Wynn, Sergeant Vance Brasher. Heard tonight were Ben Alexander, Virginia Gregg, Jack Crucian, Herb Ellis, Vic Rodman. Script by Frank Burt. Music by Walter Schumann. Hal Gibney speaking. Watch an entirely different Dragnet case history each week on your local NBC television station. Please check your newspapers for the day and time. Chesterfield has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. This is it, L&M filters. It stands out from all the rest. Miracle tip, much more flavor. L&M's got everything. It's the best. No other cigarette gives you L&M's assurance. Assurance that it is best. L&M's got everything. Superior taste, superior tobacco, superior filter. Buy L&M today. Most of you are Gunsmoke radio fans. And many of you have written to the makers of Chesterfield and L&M filters, asking them to put Gunsmoke on television, too. Here's the good news. Gunsmoke is going on TV starting Saturday night, September 10th. If you enjoy Gunsmoke on radio, we're sure you'll go for Gunsmoke on TV. Now television will have an authentic adult western, the Gunsmoke you know on radio. Remember, Saturday night, September 10th, Gunsmoke on TV. 
Check your local listings for time and station. This is the NBC Radio Network. That was The Big Ruling from Dragnet here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that is a, uh, well, it's a recommendation from a listener named Tim, but it's also a recommendation from a listener that we celebrate the centennial of Jack Webb. That was one of our many listeners named Mark. (laughs) That's the most popular listener name in this podcast. Thanks, many Marks. (laughs) So here's the deal. It's taken me a long time to come around to Dragnet, not just the radio series, but the television show and everything. Um, it has been a last couple of years where people are like, no, Dragnet's great. I'm like, ah, never really. But I'm starting to like it more and more and more. And we're going to discuss in this, what are those things that used to bug me that now I'm starting to understand? I will say that Jack Webb will always hold a dear place in my heart for having what seems to be the greatest divorces of all time. I'm sure it wasn't. But to divorce your wife, who is Julie London, which you're nuts. Anyway, so and then to produce a show called Emergency very soon after and hire his wife as Nurse Dixie McCall, one of the leads, and her new husband. <laughs> that takes a lot of... We've crossed that bridge. We're good. You and I, we're good. I'm going to hire you and your husband, and we're all going to hang out together. I don't know if you knew that, but no. that was emergency. I mean, I knew London yeah. uh, was married to him. And I can't remember her new husband's name. But he was so he's probably doctor. paying alimony and her paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, think about that. All right. So here's the issue that I have with Ragnar that I'm starting to get my handle on. There's a lot of non-essential conversation. Here we go again. (laughs) (laughs) That I'm starting to now appreciate. The coffee scene goes on and on and on and on and on about coffee. Yeah, again, this But it's very real. It's very real, and that was his idea is to capture stuff that felt more like real life. That's what I'm saying. Real life doesn't move at the pace of a radio drama. That's what I'm saying Mm -hmm. is I'm starting to understand it now. That coffee scene is one of my favorite scenes in all the dragnets I've heard. (laughs) From this period, almost all of them start with some sort of day-in-the-life conversation between Joe Friday and Frank Smith. And this is one of my favorite, mainly because I can imagine... Eric and I having this conversation about coffee. (laughs) Well, that's the other thing I thought about is my wife and I have had these conversations about coffee because I Folgers is just fine. If I go to the church basement. (laughs) Uh, Can you hear Joshua's face contorting in pain? Coffee is coffee. Is 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 it hot and does it wake me up? Great. Good job, coffee. I am not normally a coffee drinker, nor am I a heroin user. But after listening to this episode, I want heroin, I want coffee, I want booze, and I want Chesterton cigarettes. (laughs) It's so true. So I think the coffee thing is not, that's not necessarily a throwaway. That's on theme. You're right. I didn't piece all those addictive substances together into the tapestry of addiction that you have just shown to us. Yeah, that's it's very interesting. Not only do they have ads for chest and cigarettes, it's basically an ad for thermos. Yeah. Four yeah. cups. What's amazing device that is. Some gadget there, that thermos, right? Uh, yeah, th- he was amazed by his thermos. Yeah. I'm amazed by his thermos. 
I yeah. love when he says, uh, heck, that's not coffee. Yeah, this is so coffee. Mad at him. A little bite, a little, a little zing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I, oh. I'm just not thirsty. You don't drink coffee because you're thirsty. <laughs> That's not a thirst quencher. I loved it because it seemed like a lame excuse. It's the first thing that Friday could think of. uh, I'm not thirsty? There was almost a question mark on hand. Is that why I'm not going to drink your coffee? And then um, speaking of naturalism, there's this great conversational dribble to end that whole scene when the phone rings. And you hear the chair scoot back and Mm -hmm. Friday get up and the phone's still ringing and just kind of half under his breath you hear Frank Smith go, don't finish it if you don't want to. (laughs) 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 It makes me so happy. All that Foley, the initial footsteps, every little textural sound they get out of that police office is glorious. They also get that same texture when they go into the what is it? The flop house, the tenement house, wherever Mm -hmm. uh, Candy uh, Delman lives. Um, They spend enough time of just walking up the stairs and and it's not just footsteps. It's scraping. It's it's intermittently not... footsteps on old wooden stairs. It's not bam, 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 like we do when we do Foley. It has that texture to it that it's not consistent. And then the door opens. You can see the door opening just above them to the left. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's so well done. Yeah, it has such clarity. And you would think with that much clarity, it would feel false. It wouldn't feel like the texture sound of real life, yet it does. It's just super precise. Moving into that scene, and we're talking about naturalism or realism or whatever. Oh, the landlady. Well, the landlady's great, but even better. I'm going to say this. Okay, there are three people in here that have made a lot of money playing drunk. Mm -hmm. Um, The three of us have all done it very well. (laughs) Jim laughing, playing. (laughs) A lot of money. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Been paid, I should say. Yes. I find playing drunk to be an art form in itself, and I've seen people in many shows in many places, and I'm like, that's really good, or that's terrible, you don't understand it. And and I work hard at it when I have to play it. And Mm -hmm. this guy... That is, and I'm saying it, the best actor drunk I have ever heard in my life. It is subtle. It's real. It's bleak as hell. It's bleak. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I think this guy's drunk. You know, the idea behind, (laughs) do you know the idea behind drunk is a drunk tries desperately to not show that they're drunk. Right. That's the key. When, mm-hmm. If you're just... No one does that. You yeah. try to hold it together. Well, I have reached a point where I am like that, but that's <laughs> yes. that's a lot of drunk. This guy, you can hear it barely in his voice that he is intoxicated, but he's fighting so hard to just stay coherent. I'm just amazed by Candy Delman and whoever that actor is. Uh, there's also great Foley here, again, with the sloshing of that bottle. Yep. Because oh, yeah. you know exactly what size that bottle is. You know how much booze is in it by the sound, how much he's already consumed, and the time they take to just stand there quietly as he guzzles mm-hmm. and wait for him to pick up his meandering conversation. It's just perfect. It's also interesting, the time between sentences, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah, they really give him the time to show the struggle of how much he doesn't want to do this. And not only in that scene, but like overall in Dragnet, they'll Mm -hmm. have that pause I just did. They'll do that and not worry about it. (laughs) And consequently, you get to see their face. 
you know what I mean? In your head, yeah. like you see the face that they're making and that pause is them yeah. looking at you in a certain way. You infer the impact that whatever was just said mm-hmm. as they process it before they respond. Yeah. And that's daring Yeah, in radio, man. Silence is a thing that you could be very terrified of in radio drama, well, especially. That's why this was so groundbreaking. It's like a microphone is being carried around with people and just recording it. And it's it's a hard thing to get over, though, Joshua. Like, when you're used to old-time radio and storytelling, that the pace of this is slow. But I love that. So I'm yeah. predisposed to like that anyway, and I'm willing to admit I'm weird. But I like the time taken yeah. with all these scenes. Yeah. And the dialogue is always really good. Mm-hmm. The best line in the show goes to Delman when he says, there's something about you guys that keep me sober. If you don't <laughs> shove off, I'm going to run out of booze. <laughs> Isn't that a great line? Let's bring up the concept. It's easy in today's world to say this line that I'm about to say, and that is, well, what's wrong with it? I don't know. I guess we are not in support of people having civil rights, uh, you know, the entire process they have to go through to search oh, people and everything. Yeah, that's a whole nother but that, thing of worms to talk about with this episode. But then you realize this is a recent development in our mm-hmm. legal system, that they weren't allowed to do that and they were confused by that, Well, I was apparently. interested by the nuance of it of, yes, if you illegally search someone, you can be prosecuted for that, that you're totally making yourself vulnerable, but the evidence you find is still admissible. So that apparently the, the police tactic then was like, yep, Go ahead and prosecute me for legal search, but that's what I have to do to get this done. Knowing they probably were very rarely ever prosecuted for that. And Um, this seems to be a recent development legally. I did some research on that, and this is is Dragnet doing a hot take, what we would call it today, because it was in Uh 1955, the year this came out, Uh that the California— That's when we got civil rights? (laughs) When we we weren't— The the state of California adopted the exclusionary rule, which previously had just been applied to federal cases. Ah. And it isn't until, I believe, 1961— that all the states adopted it or were made to adopt it. Right. This is something that was applied haphazardly and even then in different ways across the country. It was so new that they hadn't any experience with it, and that's why they made those huge mistakes, which oh, it by was today's also standards, controversial. Yes. And it is still controversial. Is it? Oh, stop and frisk. But I, is this it is illegal search and seizure? Right. I'm saying that's a good thing that there are laws in place that they have to follow. Some people really don't think so. <laughs> so it's not as like cut and really? dry as you think. I mean, I think so. I think it's great. Yeah, you can't great. just walk into my I house. I love and... constitutional rights. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not arguing against it, but it is culturally. Um, I guess I'm always somewhat shocked. There are people debate, that think that the police. And that's why it took so long to get adopted. So there are people that think the police should have the ability to just do what they want as long as they're getting the bad guy. Uh, Friday makes the argument. He takes the stance that the cops are right. Yeah. And so he's saying, well, what happens when the next time it's a killer? And we know he's a killer, but this stupid rule keeps us from taking him off the street. The story is designed in a way to show us that the cops were absolutely right. That's what this guy's doing. He's dealing heroin to children, and the stupid rule put him back on the street to sell heroin to children. It does not present a story in which... Uh, the person was innocent. Right. That's the but point when, of view. And when it happens when the person is innocent, that's when it gets horrifying. Well, yeah. and they describe it as like, you just have a little bit of inconvenience, which is not always the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you're innocent, it's just an inconvenience for us to do. No. 
It's not. I, I love that this this idea is so incredible. <laughs> to Joe oh, Friday, yeah. he actually says, let me have that again. <laughs> yeah. And they repeat it <laughs> one more time. But there's also a reference that they've just had a symposium, some kind of seminar, some kind of training on this. So they've yeah. already learned this. <laughs> and they have and the great line like, we're cops, not lawyers. <laughs> cops don't have to understand the law to enforce it. Yeah, <laughs> the implication of like, oh, that's that's a real law. That's oh, <laughs> you mean we actually have to follow the law? <laughs> and it, it's nice that they can't agree on coffee, but they're in lockstep when it comes from depriving citizens of their I think it's constitutional a, rights. It's interesting for me, you know, because I've watched every Law and Order five million times. That uh, when he said, uh, "Is this your car?" I saw you going in it. Well, let me just go in and look. Right. That my first reaction was, "Oh, you can't do that." Yeah, <laughs> I immediately went, and then to find out, oh, this is a plot point of this. I was like, "Good, you, because you can't do that." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "That's an admissible." <laughs> right, <laughs> you need a subpoena, and that's what I was thinking yeah. while it was happening. And, and that's what they're learning. Yep. They're shocked. Like, did you arrest him? Well, no, we didn't have anything to arrest him for until we searched him illegally. <laughs> He's like, duh. How am I supposed to arrest him if I don't find something to arrest him for? And in order to do that, I have to do that illegally. But it's that weird mix of, in theory, he could have looked to the window and seen, hey, there's 40 sweaters in the back there. Which is another law and order trick where they do that all the time. Like, hey, uh, I think I hear someone in here screaming for help. How about you, Ray? And that gives them an excuse to run in and grab the bad guy. Yeah, it's a question of how much right do you have to just assume these are stolen. Right. That there is no world in which you would have 40 sweaters in your back seat unless you stole them. I like, though, when the dealer says, like, it's for my girlfriend. like, (laughs) 40 of them in different sizes? <laughs> Must be quite a girl. Right, right. <laughs> the She's a shapeshifter. <laughs> and she runs a sweater store. I'm dating Odo. Nice. Oh, thank you. Nice. <laughs> Tim liked that one. It's a deep cut. A deep space nine cut. <laughs> and we've lost our listeners. Um... But I like how each of these points is carefully set up with the illegal search and seizure. They go out of their way to have uh, Mr. Whitehouse or whoever at the ladies' sports store say that, I didn't even know they were stolen. So he hadn't reported them yet. They had no reasonable cause to suspect that these were stolen. Mm -hmm. It hadn't even been reported as a crime yet. The drunk's belligerence when it comes to describing this guy meant they didn't have a specific description from an informant. Yep. So really, they were just randomly stopping a guy on the street. That guy's reaction to them was really odd, too. Like, I always thought you guys were jerks, and now I'm going to shake your hand. The Oh, yeah. And that, I think that was meant as a little comedy uh, color, I, but it, it was a fun moment I where he, he was I think he was like, trying to be sarcastic, right? Like, oh, no. you finally found some real crime. Let me shake your hand. You know, that kind of thing. And you usually are just pulling me over and giving me tickets. I couldn't quite decide if the intent was that the character was sincere mm-hmm. or giving him grief. I read it as genuine because he's trying to push these sweaters off on Friday and his partner. That He kept trying to give him that, uh, those sweaters, made me think red herring. Like, this guy was involved in stealing... you got to listen to more Dragnet. You're still in that, like, right. mode where... It's yeah. Like, There's an important clue. Right. 
That's exactly right. I thought, oh, he hired the guy to steal from him <laughs> so that he could get the insurance like money for his cashmere I sweaters. Follow you around in a day where everything that happens to you, you go, oh, a clue. <laughs> <laughs> you knock over a glass of milk and dun dun dun. That's going to be important later today <laughs> when I clean up this milk. <laughs> I'm laughing because it kind of is like that. Uh, I think about, oh, I chose this route to this place. What's going to happen? What if I had taken that other route? Then this thing wouldn't have happened to me. So I think I may have shared this with you before, but for our listeners, here's my anxiety after watching a lot of CSI that I at some point will die in mysterious circumstances mm-hmm. and CSIs will have to recreate whatever we're Ridiculous way I spent the last <laughs> yep. three or four hours of my life. Why did he go downstairs, come back up with an empty grocery bag, then take it? It's because I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want scientists exploring. Like, this man was stupid. Mine will be, from what we can figure out, it was eight straight hours of law and order. <laughs> <laughs> Another one, huh? <laughs> yeah. Another law and order death. <laughs> Uh, the last thing I wanted to say about this is the landlady's performance I thought was phenomenal. Yeah, I yeah. had the same reaction you had to uh, Delmont's performance as hers because I thought with just a couple lines of dialogue, she paints her entire existence. Mm-hmm. You know, she's widowed or never married, a chain smoker. The clientele at her establishment has forced her to adopt this defensive around-the-clock posture until mm-hmm. it's just like, second nature to her. It was yep. just dreary. Yep. I think people forget how dreary Dragnet is. I mean, it's <laughs> real life is depressing. So yep. when it becomes this real, it's sort of like, Ugh. And the follow-up of, we need new suits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <That's laughs> <all I> <laughs> yep. We look like we belong here. I don't like this. <laughs> and I think it's a nice touch that they don't get out of that by telling her that they're cops, the cops because yeah. they don't want to blow yep. their informant. So, so just, just take her crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw it to the vote, Joshua. I love this. This is a classic to me, but honestly, I've developed a huge love of Dragnet. It pretty much started a year and a half or two years ago when our podcast pal and Patreon supporter Amy, Amy Pavi was on and yep. brought oh, us yeah. Dragnet. And yep. I think before that, I had vague recollections as a child of seeing Dragnet on TV and finding it really boring because I was eight Exactly or what nine. I was saying. Yeah. And so I didn't really pursue the radio show. And I listen to this almost every night. It's also a perfect radio show to fall asleep to because it's... Yeah. Super quiet, monotone, and quiet. <laughs> so my wife's like, "Yes, we can listen to Dragnet." And I'm like, it's the, "Yes, it's the golf game of old time radio." <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think this historical element here makes this just an amazing episode. That it is written in direct response to the California ruling that came out that year just makes it just a great little time capsule. And then on top of that, it's super well-written, even though I utterly disagree (laughs) with uh, Friday's point of view. It's fascinating. Although I understand his point of view. Yes. Yeah. There's no denying. Especially what you're used to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and not only that, there's 
absolute logic to that point of view. It's not insane. But yeah, it's that thing but, is, but, right. you wouldn't be under suspicion unless you did something wrong. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the lawyer view versus the cop view. Cops don't tend to agree with the, what is the old saying? You know, it's better 10 guilty men escape than one innocent man suffer. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But that's, that's a where harder pill to swallow if you're a cop who's trying right. to nail people every day or trying to get away with crap, <laughs> depending on your <laughs> point of view. Right. But yeah, my yeah. turn. I think it is historically significant. It stands the test of time. I'm not going to say classic, and here's why. Because I think Dragnet is for specific people who like this specific thing. I am with Joshua that I have grown to like it. Dragnet is the blue cheese of my life. I finally <laughs> have Keep going acquired, with this. acquired a taste oh, okay. for the blue cheese. I thought you were like, I put it on salad. <laughs> what? You eat blue cheese when you're nine. Next, You won't try that again until yeah. you're 25. You're like, no, I'm not going through that nightmare. Yeah, I love blue 25. cheese when I was nine. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, most kids hate it. Then you try it 25 and like, oh, yeah, I get this now. This, this stink bomb is good. <laughs> <laughs> so my point being, I would understand someone saying, Dragnet just isn't my deal, mm-hmm. right? There are shows I would look at you and say, well, you're wrong. But I understand that. I am getting to like Dragnet. I don't know if I would recommend it to everybody. I would say try it and see if it's your style. But, you know, it is got a pace to it that is uh, different, that we're not used to. So that's where I stand. We didn't talk nearly enough about the Chesterton ads. Oh, oh, oh wait. We I've got information on it. I did my research on Accuray. Did you? I did a little research on okay, it, but so it's I've, pretty much the commercial. Well, no. So they say in the commercial that they indicate in a non sequitur that because of this Accuray, which we'll talk about in a second, that they're actually better for you, these cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. They're actually healthy. All the Accuray does is measure the length of the cigarette to make sure that it's the right length and then the amount of tobacco that's in it to make mm-hmm. sure that it's the right amount of tobacco. That's a, all it they, does. It's I a don't remember quality, saying it's better for you. It's a better quality cigarette as in it's packed consistently. They make the insinuation. You get a longer smoke. But yes, it does seem like it'd be healthier for you. They make the in insinuation fact, that it's healthier. <laughs> and there's also an Accuray company now. It still exists. I think it's mainly medical They. Business. It's ironic. It removes tumors, mostly from the lungs. <laughs> it's, it's not better for you. It's best for you. So, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right. So the Accuray now is a... Accuray was playing the long game there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start with the cigarettes. <laughs> and then, it is in a, 50 years... What do you call like a ray that's a knife? You know, like a knife ray? I don't know what that is. Yeah, let's call it a knife ray. A knife ray. And that, that removes tumors and such cancerous things. But the commercial itself... What a great jingle. Oh, well, that's the thing is at the very top. Yeah. When they're like, start out, you were working narcotics detective of the LA police department. And then the jazzy music starts. I yeah. thought, great. So we're wow. going to start out in this sort of nightclub atmosphere. Yeah, it's like a, oh, it's opening a with a strip tease. <laughs> <laughs> the jingle is catchy. It's Pied Piper-esque. I, Put a smile in your smoking is a weird thing because I instantly just thought of yeah, nicotine stained teeth with tobacco <laughs> stuck between it. Spoken like a guy that doesn't smoke. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other part I liked was going into the laboratory. Oh, the, yeah, the second commercial. And you had oh, yeah. Computers and like ticker tape readouts coming out. It was and... like a documentary about <laughs> Accuray. It was 
phenomenal. I, I literally it, checked it's... to see if like, I listened on my phone. Like, did I skip to a different episode? Yeah, <laughs> right. Is this Dimension X? <laughs> I'm sorry, you were going to give your verdict, but we got yes. excited about those commercials. <laughs> well, th- that was part of it is the very top. For as much as Dragnet is frequently like dry, methodical, then there was this hip music. Like, yeah. It's an advertisement, but you, you've bought me already just because yeah. I'm invested. This stands the test of time as a really great episode of Dragnet and really shows off what is unique and special about Dragnet of, of never would I have imagined, uh, like, oh, there's kids getting heroin that it's going to end with a highly debated litigious point. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah, he walks. And you can you can see the sort of preaching aspect of why they chose that route. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that you can listen to any episode of Dragnet and not necessarily know what the resolution is going to be, either guilty or innocent or related or not. All right. Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. You can listen to other episodes there. You can comment on episodes. You can vote in polls. Let us know what you think about them. You can also link to our social media pages. State your opinion there. We just want to hear your opinion. You can also send us messages uh, and let us know episodes you'd like us to listen to. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals. And you guessed it, support this podcast. We <laughs> really, really Need it. Need it. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, you can also go to iTunes and write a review. Um, just think about how can you help us today? <laughs> uh, also, you can see us perform live. We do live recreations of the original broadcasts of old-time radio shows, including commercial sound effects for people doing all of it. We also do original in the style of old-time radio shows, and we are currently here in March of 2020 under a contract, I guess, but we are with Park Square Theater for a nice long time working with that wonderful theater space, uh, and you can check us out and come see us perform by going to MysteriousOldRadioListeningSociety.com. There you'll find that schedule and much other information, more information, I should say, about us. What is next? Up next, we have another listener request, and it is Ancient Sorceries from Escape. Until then... I want coffee. I want boiled water, buddy. Mm -hmm. This stuff's got some taste to it. It sure has. Well, aren't you going to finish yours? Well, I'm not thirsty right now. Oh. Don't mind if I take a blast. That's up to you.